2: sports and your home for University of Alabama athletics tied 100.9 FM Travis Schreier your trusty if not talented host of the program fresh from Bama whereas I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama affiliated website on the 247247 sports.com network the show as always brought to you by Peter Brook chocolates here 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. I told you they got those s'mores kits ready for you out there. A great Peterbrook chocolate, those great homemade marshmallows, some graham crackers. Yeah, got you a little fire pit, probably. Just throw those together, and uh, what a great treat for a nice fallish evening, right? Joined on the program by the producer of southern fried sports james ludeman who together we combine to form the 60 minute man. Woo! of sports talk radio james how you doing this morning i'm doing good today
3: travis sorry about that i'm doing <laughs> two things but yeah man i'm doing great and uh, another beautiful day in paradise my friend
2: yeah we're uh, soaking it up while we can in advance uh of hurricane delta unfortunately man it's uh, wrecking havoc already causing some changes to our sports schedule coming up for this weekend the southeastern conference football schedule not going to be able to go unscathed that does not appear we'll see how this impacts again we're sort of in wait and see mode and obviously right here It's tied 100.9 FM. We'll have you covered. We'll keep you updated throughout the days. And uh, you got to think in relation to some other games outside of Missouri LSU, which we now know as of this morning, Missouri LSU uh, will be contested in Columbia now on Saturday morning. That's now going to be 11 a.m. kickoff. I guess that's going to be SEC Network Alternate because you already have an SEC Network game for 11 a.m. on Saturday. You have Florida and Texas A&M at 11 a.m. on ESPN on Saturday. So uh, some changes in effect now. LSU loses a home game. We hope that's all that those folks down there lose in the coming days. Uh, LSU loses the home game to Missouri. You know, I don't think if you're LSU, there's not much consternation about that. I mean, because it is Missouri, Missouri 0-2 to start this season. If this were LSU and, say, Georgia or LSU-Florida or a game like that, uh, you might have a a little bit more of a rub there. But this seems to be moving pretty seamlessly by everyone involved. And so you will have Missouri-LSU early on Saturday. And, again, we'll see how it impacts uh, situations elsewhere. 205-342. 9904, that is the Peter Brook studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on this Wednesday morning, you are more than welcome to do so. You got a double shot of Nick Saban today. Should be putting the final touches on his SEC coach's teleconference appearance. Usually goes around a quarter to 11 on that one. And then you'll hear from Nick Saban post-practice this evening. That'll be around 6 o'clock Central. Then, of course, right here on side 100.9 FM, you're going to hear Nick Saban tomorrow night as a part of his coach's show and the the Hey Coach program. So you can do that on Thursday evenings right here as well. Man, yesterday was tough. Yesterday afternoon was tough for the boomers and even semi-boomers. And I've been pleasantly surprised, too, to hear from a younger generation in reaction in relation to the passing of Eddie Van Halen. Iconic, virtuoso, musician. you know, Eddie Van Halen was a hell of a guitarist, maybe one of the top three or four to ever do it. And uh, But that dude was a straight-up musician, a composer. You, know, you think about how much of Van Halen's success as a band was directly attributed to To Eddie Van Halen, not just in terms of his incredible guitar work, but the arrangements, you know, everything just about. I think a lot of folks just learned yesterday, too, that Beat It by Michael Jackson. You know, Eddie was supposed to go in there and just play that solo and beat it. He goes in there with Quincy Jones. Michael Jackson leaves the studio for a little bit. When he comes back, Eddie has rearranged the midsection of that entire song. Michael loved it. And that's what you got with beat it genius right we throw it around all too often but it absolutely applied to eddie van halen i was very fortunate throughout the years uh i saw the the early van halen 1982-ish you know when they were just starting to really hit big and then of course in 84 with the album 1984 and that was pretty much it for the first run with David Lee Roth, even into the Sammy Hagar era, which, you know, that's always been for me very much a secondary level of Van Halen, but I, I grew to appreciate it more as I got older. I mean, I've been a steadfast diamond Dave guy when it comes to Van Halen, but you cannot deny the success uh, that was had with Sammy Hagar as, as the, the front man there for an extended stretch. And then, when Dave came back into the fold, they did some of the reunion stuff. 2007, I was able to catch him. A couple years later, I caught him one time right here in, uh, at Oak Mountain Amphitheater over in Pelham. Caught him down in Duval one time. Caught him up in Chicago. So I was fortunate to see the man. And it was always the constant, no matter if it was Diamond Dave, whether if it was Sammy, whether it was with Wolfie playing bass on that last tour or two. You went to see Eddie Van Halen. You know Sammy Hagar is tremendous. I don't know if in his prime, David Lee Roth had any peers when it comes to frontmen. I mean, Robert Plant, Led Zeppelin, you know. I guess some people would throw Steven Tyler, obviously Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones. But the reason why you always went was to see Eddie. I mean, you had Gary Sharon in there as your lead vocalist there for a very brief period of time. Didn't matter, you know? You could have put my Pomeranian on lead vocals for Van Halen, and I would have gone just to see Eddie do his thing. In the last tour or two with Dave, it was very, it was almost comical because Dave, listen, he was never a great vocalist, even in his youth. I mean, he could hit the screams and the yells and the kicks off the Drum riser. He was a hell of a front man. Again, a front man, but as just a pure vocalist. Thank goodness for Michael Anthony and Eddie Van Halen and probably even Alex, because when you go back and listen to the classic Van Halen, the supporting vocals, the backing vocals are better than Dave's. But you get into this last few stages, these last few tours for Van Halen, it got to a point where they turned Eddie up so loud. <laughs> you couldn't hear Dave anyway. You know, Dave was just there in his leather pants and kind of strutting around and smiling goofily the entire show. It was fine, you know. But you went to see Eddie. That's why you went. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolates here studio line. so yeah, we're going to get into a lot of college football talk as we move throughout the program. Cecil Hurt, sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News, slated to join us coming up in about 10 minutes, and you continue to wonder about the NFL too with talk of additional positive tests on the COVID-19 front. Head on a swivel time, guys and gals. I mean, never, never more than right now now, it's not enough that we got the COVID-19 to deal with. Now we've got uh, hurricanes, Hurricane Delta coming up. The University of Houston football team has been trying to play a season opener for like five weeks now. Houston is expected on Thursday night. Tomorrow night, Houston is finally expected to be able to play its season opener. Five openers for Houston have been either canceled or postponed. Started with Rice then Washington State, then Memphis, more recently Baylor, and North Texas. Haven't been able to get the season off the ground. And then, of course, you've got Tulane from New Orleans with Delta potentially bearing down on central Louisiana and on the eastern side of that, unfortunately, NOLA. Let's head to the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line right now. Check in with Johnny down in the state of Florida. Johnny, how you doing on this Wednesday morning? Hey Travis, how you doing, man? Hanging in there, my guy. Hey, I missed the first part
4: of your show. Did you say that uh, Alabama might be moving the time up, or is it potentially going to get screwed? Scr-
2: I haven't heard. No, we we just you know are talking about that. Uh, you, you just got to have your head on a swivel right now. Missouri and LSU uh, has been moved to Columbia. But we're just kind of playing it minute-to-minute minute right now and, and going to see exactly what happens with Ole Miss Alabama, if anything. Of course, set for 5 o'clock on Saturday evening at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford. Um, you know, I guess we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I, I don't know if moving it to Friday helps you all that much because it sounds like Friday night is when it's supposed to start getting really hairy You know, through that area. Uh, into Saturday and if I'm Nick Saban I'm not probably all that interested in going to Sunday when I got Georgia coming up the next Saturday Uh, the saving grace there would be that you've got Georgia coming to you at least you're not going on the road Um, you do have some open dates that match up but I'm sure with COVID-19 being what it is you're trying to save that as best you can so you, you got some real issues you're trying to deal with here I I don't know, perhaps you could move the game you know, to a neutral site. I know that was apparently talked about, Johnny, with LSU and Missouri to an extent. Um, I'm not exactly sure where you would go. I guess you could go to a an, another college venue, perhaps a place where, perhaps a place like, this is just throwing it out there, okay? Th- this won't happen. But you consider, say, a place like Tallahassee, Florida State's, at Notre Dame this weekend, Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you go to an NFL town and try to, I don't, you know, it's, I would think a lot of stuff is still on the table though. So I, I was I had a thought earlier today. I said, which,
4: if you were a betting man, which, which would be more likely to happen? The Miami hurricanes will go into Clemson and win against Clemson or Alabama and Mississippi will actually play this year.
2: Yeah, um, I think there. I think there's still a better chance of Alabama and Ole Miss playing. Um, <laughs> you know, it is. It's, I agree uh, with you. It's a show me but weekend I don't think they'll for be a couple teams. Weekend. Yeah, you don't?
4: I don't think they'll be playing this weekend unless they move, do something with the timing of it. Just knowing these storms, you know, if it goes to where it's saying, you know, and still it sure. looks like it's pretty much. Going to beeline that way because those poor people have had it all summer, but um, yeah, there's no way they they couldn't. There would be
2: too many safety issues to try to play that game. Yeah, there. You know, we talked about this yesterday too. People forget when you talk about a storm of this magnitude and you know the damage it can do to an entire region. It requires an all hands on deck response from emergency personnel from multiple states. So some of that personnel that you know, program schools sort of count on to 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 help with their game day stuff, and even with the reduced capacities, you know, there still has to be a presence of some kind. All of that has to go to the impacted area, of course. So, yeah, and, and, and safety in general, obviously, uh, you know, with the logistics involved, even if it's not a game in which... Uh, you necessarily have to get on a plane to get to Oxford. Um, th- there there are a lot of issues, certainly, that you have to, to sort of navigate here.
4: Before I go, I wanted to get your thoughts on something because you mentioned it earlier. Uh, I don't know if it was this week or the previous week in a write-up about, I guess it was this week, about the safety and linebacker play and the gaps in the middle and all this, and so when I was watching, you know, the first, against Missouri, we saw Dylan Moses out there and the freshman on the line, and it looked promising. And then when, you know, watching the game last week, kind of saw this, it was almost a deja vu of last year. You saw big chunks, busted covers, busted coverages, big chunks, uh, chunks up the middle. that were open for plays. The defense not getting off the field on third down. And this is against a subpar A and M team. So it makes you wonder if is this gonna continue and then I'm gonna throw it out there. It makes you wonder if Saban's gonna stick around with what was his name, Pete Golding, Pete Golding or whatever the defensive doing. coordinator. Yeah you know because here, it doesn't the, seem to be corrected.
2: Well, here's the double whammy if you're Pete Golding right now. And this isn't a statement as to whether or not he should or should not continue on if things don't improve as a defensive coordinator. The double whammy for Pete Golding and all this is that he coaches the inside linebackers. So if you're a defensive coordinator and you're having some positional breakdowns from time to time, well, you, you, know, you can kind of go to that position coach and say, look, man, we got to get this stuff corrected. Uh, unfortunately for Pete Golding, some of the issues exact uh, exist at his position. Now, look, you know, in terms of statistical production, there's still some good stuff coming from Dylan Moses and Christian Harris through two games. Um, and I also have to remind folks, myself included, that Dylan Moses has now played all of two games at middle linebacker. So I, I think there's a little bit of a grace period you have to consider there, especially for a guy who – not only has only played two games at the position, but prior to that, hadn't played in a game of any kind for 20 months because of the knee injury. So I, I think you have to consider that for sure. Um, I think it would be less concerning if you didn't have bus at multiple spots. It appears, it appears as if this isn't just, okay, this is one spot. You know, we would get that correct. looks like at times they got two or three guys that are bussing. And that, that's where you have concerns, no doubt about it. And look, Lane Kiffin gets the same, gets better take than we get. You know, he gets the the all-22, and it, trust me, you know, when he sees a backup reserve tight end wide open running down the seam for a touchdown against Alabama, like A&M did last week, he's certainly going to look to take advantage of that with a better talent in Kenny Yaboa at tight end for Ole Miss this week. So, a lot of the same matchups, a lot of the same obstacles that Alabama had defensively with A&M last week, they're going to get them again this week. uh, Ole Miss built very similarly in terms of offensive skill people and including the tight end in that as well. Yeah, the the over-under Roman Harper on the SEC channel,
4: you know, former player, the over-under for Mississippi, he made a strong argument that it was 42 points. Mississippi wow, Miss. points Yeah, and so when you When you sit there and you're talking about a You know, a, a team that's Definitely not in contention for any championship Like Ole Miss, they're, you know, just Starting out here with You just, 42 points That's just not a good omen No
2: know? Well, I scored 31 here in Tuscaloosa last year So that should be You know, certainly What you're trying to not have happen again. 42 would be would be a real problem. Hey, Johnny, we got to get to this break. As always, we appreciate the call. All right. Thanks, Travis. Take care. Be safe down there in the state of Florida. So long from the Sunshine State, as the late great Gordon Sully used to say, on championship wrestling from Florida. Oh, talk about nostalgia. That takes me back a little bit. Let's head to our first break of the program. When we come back, Cecil Heard of the Tuscaloosa News is going to join us on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right after this.
1: From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama Sports and it's brought to you by Kaneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947 and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at kanekasausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama wide receiver John Mechie the third led the Crimson Tide with 181 yards receiving and a pair of touchdowns last Saturday against Texas A&M. Even with the great performance against the Aggies, Mechie told the media he's focused on improving week to week for his teammates. Everything. I think um, at the end of the day, there's always something to get better at and um, I think there's everything to get better at, especially at this stage and this level. Um, I think the biggest thing was just understanding the playbook, um, understanding what um, coaches were trying to do and what we're trying to do as an offense. I'll have more in a moment. Our newest partner on the Crimson Tide Sports Network is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast and now a tailgate grilling tradition. Kaneka Sausage made in Evergreen, Alabama and a true southern flavor since 1947 and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Alabama and Ole Miss will meet for the 68th time on Saturday, with the Crimson Tide holding a 55-10-2 to 10 to 2 all-time advantage in the series. Crimson Tide have won the last four meetings, including last year's 59-31 victory in Tuscaloosa. Ole Miss is led by first-year head coach Lane Kiffin, who is Alabama's offensive coordinator from 2014 to 2016. And that's your Bama update, Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Koneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network.
0: Very warm this afternoon with a sunny sky behind 88. For tonight, fair with a low at 57. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine behind 86. Friday, mostly cloudy. A chance of showers during the day. Showers more likely Friday night. The high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson
1: Tide.
2: I mean, did you think we weren't going to have Eddie Van Halen as the playlist theme of the day today? Come on. Go ahead, Ed. Give it to him. Little eruption. You get your uh, Wednesday lunchtime window going here on Southern Fried Sports. Travis Schreiber, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. At this time on Wednesdays, so we like to check in with Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. Cecil, obviously, uh, very much in tune, as we know, with uh, music, rock and roll music, and uh, icons. And uh, so with that, Cecil, your thoughts on the passing of Eddie Van Halen?
3: The, the one thing I'll say, whether it's eruption or the um, lead-in, you really got me, or beat it, or a dozen other songs, a hundred other songs you could make. You, you didn't even have to be a guitar player or a guitar guru or, or you know, subscribe to a guitar player magazine. When you heard that, you knew it was Eddie Van Gogh. And that's hard to do. You know, that's the that's instrument. It's hard to do. But he just had the sound. He, he played, first of all, Fantastically well, and also just differently. It was almost certainly everything connects with everything else. And Hendrix went back to a blues base, and and certainly mm-hmm. Hendrix influenced everybody, including Eddie. But Eddie's, it was almost like a flam- Some of his stuff is almost like watching a flamenco player, but play. <laughs> you know, it's the European tradition more than the more than the African tradition. And and I've always wondered. If he you know, if you were a slog along, if you were in a guitar, or in a garage band in 78, 79, uh, you might be playing... Those kink songs aren't the hardest songs to play the chords. They're great songs. They're memorable chords. But um, you really got me... That, that's not the hardest thing to learn, you know, all day and all of the night. And But when when... Eddie came out, and you listened to Eruption, and then they went into You Really Got Me. Every garage band in America. But we're not playing that one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no sense. No sense can, you know, they looked over at the guitar player like, did you do that? And he's like, no.
2: no. Nah, I'm out. You talk right. about opting out. Yeah, that was, I think, okay. what happened with that one. Um, So Cecil. You know, let, that, a lot of people. S-
3: say, S- you know, Randy Rhodes was. Heavily influenced by, there were there were people who tried to follow what sure. Eddie did, but but it's like Hendrix—you couldn't be Hendrix even if you tried to play like Hendrix, and you couldn't be Eddie Van Halen no matter how hard you tried to play like Eddie Van Halen. Yeah,
2: hey, you're right. Though there were there was Eddie, and then there was a lot of guys that came after that did their very best to sort of sound like yeah, Eddie tap, Van Halen, tapping tap that
3: fretboard, you know.
2: Yeah, that, and,
3: and some of them some of them were great I mean, trademarks.
2: Players. Eddie ended up with like four or five trademarks or, uh, copyrights for his, Hat- yeah, just his style. Things that did on, on guitars. Yeah. Um, so,
3: so, and, and just again, and we've talked about this before in the context, there are a few men and a few women that they're just rock stars. I mean, they're just rock stars. And Eddie was a rock star. Yeah. He, he had mm-hmm. a present, uh, you had, to, you had to have a presence for, for the show not to turn, particularly with David Lee, to turn into a carnival show. You know, and a, and a, a, a almost a... <laughs> that, he was both the, probably one of the original hairband front men and also a parody of hairband front men at the same time. You know, that's how over-the-top David Lee was. No matter what, no matter what he was doing at the... Van Halen show, no matter what, how he was yelling, you always had Eddie in there, and, and so it was always, you know, the band was never going to be raw; it was going to be Van Halen.
2: Well, and as much as anything, part of that signature was the background vocals of Eddie and Michael Anthony on sure. bass. I mean, sure. they they helped tremendously, especially with DLR, in terms of of that part. Uh, of what they did They were You know They were They were subtle In some ways But you, uh, Similar to what you're saying and, and I agree about When you hear Eddie You know it um, Vocally Even with David Lee Roth What they did In a supporting role Was A big part of Of what yeah, that Version of Van Halen was With
3: With with Sammy As well On Right now You know Listen to right now and those, Sure are those vocals report, I mean Sammy's much better vocalist, rock vocalist than David Lee ever was. If, if you prefer David Lee, it's, you like the show. Um, but and and they were two different bands with two different frontmen in a way. But again, it all came back to Eddie. And, and yeah. The the Van Halen family show, particularly when in in the later years when you know Wolf took over on bass and and um you know it was still a good show. Was still because you, you just never knew. Even after he, you know, sort of battled his way back from from various demons, you never knew when Eddie was just going to cut one loose and and play a solo that you'd never heard before and weren't going to hear again.
2: So. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a, okay, a major so, loss uh, and hated to see it. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of seeing it, we're going to see Alabama. Ole Miss at five o'clock on Saturday evening at Vault Hemingway Stadium or what what are we what are we looking at there? I don't know. The the storm has shifted a little bit to the west, which does not necessarily help
3: Oxford one way or the other. It's just hard to predict. If you remember Sally was was gonna go further west and then it moved it, it shifted over to the east and hit Gulf Shores. And this is last month. Um, so you never – know, and, and we never got – you know, we were supposed to get it. It was supposed to come up, you know, Highway 43 or however. And we never really got much from it in Tuscaloosa. Now, other parts of Alabama did and on into Georgia, they got some heavy rain. Of course, the coast got got pounded with rain and, and wind and so forth. So it, we're still going by projections, but the projection doesn't look good. Projection puts it right over northwest Mississippi, um, the Oxford area, Oxford Batesville area on Saturday weather. And again, it's not an exact enough science where you could say, "Well, it one thirty this, and 2:30 this, and 3:30 this." Uh, but what you're going to have during the day, unless it changes course dramatically, is a lot of rain and a pretty substantial wind, and you're going to have people traveling in it, um, one way or the other. Uh, So, there are options on the table. I I wrote a a story that's not definitive. Nothing's changed at this point. Um, But, you know, they've got to look at all those, and maybe by tonight, maybe by in the morning, uh, I I would think you couldn't push it much further than that. When is it safe for the teams to play, and when is it safe for them to travel? They, They could move the game up. Uh, they could move it back to Sunday. I don't know that that's the preferred option um, for a variety of reasons. And they do have a mutual open date on November 7th. So the SEC's tried to hold those open dates because of coronavirus. But mm-hmm. so, so again, it's, it's decision-making that's unprecedented in the number of factors that, that are going into it. Um. You know, you may just tough it out say, well, it's not going to be a terrible lightning storm and, and you know, wind and rain is wind and rain. Alabama's played in wind and rain. Southern Miss game in 2001. Um, you know, there have been some others. Um, but if you can avoid having to travel. And, and one good thing about Oxford is at least you don't have to fly. You can travel right. fly, you have to fly. They can could, they could practice here Thursday load up on buses and be in Oxford Friday to, you know, spend the night and play on Friday if that was necessary. Uh, But then you still got to, and then travel back and and hope you beat it that way. Um, But again, none of those options have been, have been finalized that that we've heard yet. And it may, you know, they may just say, tough it out. off You're going to get wet and, Ball going to fly a lot of different directions. Sam Johnson may have a ninety-seven-yard
2: punt at some point in the game. Two games into this season, Cecil, which would you say is a bigger concern for this football team right now—the run game on offense, or just the def- the defense in general? I think the I think the secondary, the back part mm-hmm. of the defense is still. Um,
3: missing some coverages, have, having some busts, had some against a and I guess the run game is a concern, but I don't know. Nick Saban was on the SEC teleconference today. He said Texas A&M did a lot of stunts and slants and movement and things that aren't their MO uh, that people try to do rather than just you know hunker down in the box and dare Alabama to move them. Um, and so they're having to adjust to that. I think that, I guess if it's a concern, you the running game, the offensive line, and Najee—they've you know, shown what they're capable of uh, before this season and at times during the season. Uh, but you didn't like to see some of the some of the wide open receivers, uh, some of whom Kellen Mond hit on Saturday, and some of
2: whom he didn't. Some of whom dropped. Uh, a couple of balls too, yeah. At least one on the third down. That, four, that fourth, at um, um, fourth down, or to Smith me, was huge on second yeah. in the second quarter, wasn't it?
3: And he was open. You know, he was. He oh was yeah, clearly and running. He was yeah. clearly going to get the first down plus.
2: So, um,
1: you know, and
3: that that that's going to come, uh, but right now it's a little bit of the bad with the good. Uh, Daniel Wright's got to make that play sideline. On the other hand, he doesn't have to intercept the ball for a pick six, which was a heck of a play. So uh, just just a matter of getting experience and, and who they face quarterback wise and, and but you know if you're asking me which one of those that, you know I'm more focused on it's probably the secondary at this point.
2: Yeah and even Dylan Moses, you know, I think folks just sort of expect him coming off a knee injury he hadn't played in a game in twenty months and he's playing a new position to start this season to sort of be, you know, uh, Rolando McClain right out the gate. And I, I think even for, for Dylan, it's it's going to take a little time, no?
3: Sure. Uh, and that's understandable. I think they expected that on the knee
2: rehab. Again, people think that it's just going
3: to be um, like you never missed a beat, and it's not. You know, you did miss a beat. And, but, but, yeah, he's just such a such a leader out there, and, and a guy that you want out there that that he, he helps you in a lot of ways. Um, but I think I think what's helped
2: Alabama a good bit is um, how Christian Harris. Mm-hmm. I think Malachi he, Moore stepping forward Saturday it was great to see at that start. Yeah, they, I mean they've added Malachi Moore, Will Anderson.
3: You know they've added. Uh, and, and as
2: Barmore comes back, that's another one. Yeah. And you know, Lane will have something special on Saturday, won't he?
3: <laughs> whether it, whether it'll work in scuba gear, I don't know. But
2: you'll
3: have, <laughs> there's that. Uh, there's Joey that. underwater yeah,
2: instead of freshwater, it might be Saturday, Cecil. And Joey underwater.
3: Yeah. Now.
2: Back to your other question, and, and then
3: in reference to this question, if Ole Miss goes out and stuffs the run, all things, all weather being equal, if, if Ole Miss goes out and stuffs the run Oof. on Saturday, then you got something to worry about. You know? Gave up four hundred eight in Kentucky last Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know some of that was quarterback, but you know that's just still just not getting. Them. and Alabama's much bigger, more physical along the offensive front than Ole Miss is on the defensive front, probably a little deeper, too. Um, So that's an issue a little bit. And if, if Ole Miss stops the run, then that's
2: a big issue, I think, going forward. Cecil, you've been around for a lot of big commitments for Alabama men's basketball. Uh, Where does J.D. Davison, the five-star point guard, in your opinion, sort of stack up in terms of impact that it might have? Obviously, Colin Sexton just a couple of years ago, but uh, that was a thunderbolt on Saturday afternoon. It was. Um, You know, this state doesn't produce top five
3: talent very often. It does. You know, Kyra was a great talent. But when those guys come along, you've got to get them. Alabama's usually got them. They didn't get the previous one in trend and Watford. And that's not a trend that Alabama wants to see. Um, you know, when when they're in state, uh, I, I think that that was a a major statement for, for Nate Oates to, to get him against. Because it's not like it was. 40 years ago. One kid grew up in the state. He's probably going to go to Alabama. He might go to Auburn. But you, know, you had LSU. You had Kansas. You had Memphis. They were all in here. So um, we'll see what, what the future holds for J.D. He's certainly uh, doing some recruiting.
2: He's on Twitter. Looks like didn't it, yeah. That, he
3: didn't tweet that much, and now he's tweeting every guy that uh, Alabama's involved in. We also know, but, learned that the if you hadn't seen him, try and see him, try and see Calhoun. know maybe they'll be in the state tournament, hopefully by then attendance won't be a issue the way it is now. Um, but he's well worth seeing. Super athletic. And and not just yeah, you know, I, I made this point the other day. Alabama's had plenty of athletic guys. Um like scenario. Scenario super athletic, but JD is that kind of athlete plus a you know, much better ball handler, passer, shooter. You know, more of a rounded basketball player who just happens to have that athletic ability.
2: We also learned that the Maui Invitational has essentially become the Mountain Jam, I guess. There in Asheville, and uh, that's a nice feel, nice way to to get that going with Stanford in that first round for Alabama. Man, that, that one got me in a bind. Cause it
3: starts on the thirties, so but the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday situation, and that's going to be whoever Alabama plays, you know, Stanford. And then whether it's North Carolina or Texas or Indiana or, you know, Providence, uh, that's going to be three good games in three days. And, um, so, so I'm, I don't know what their media situation will be in the um, luxurious Harris Casino in Asheville, but
2: <laughs> I know if there
3: I, I know if there is attendance. I know what color will be in the stands.
2: Oh, a little bit, a little a, bit of Carolina blue. Little, you
3: think it'll be a little blue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. That's probably that's a heck of a gift for Asheville, frankly, if they can put any kind of fans at all
2: in there. Cecil, we're starting to see some quarterback movement around the National Football League. Dwayne Haskins for Washington going to the bench in favor of Kyle Allen. Allen, of course, played for first-year head coach Ron Rivera in Carolina. Continue to hear some rumblings from South Florida in relation to perhaps Tua Tagovailoa here in the not-too-distant future making. His NFL debut, um, are, are we officially on Tua watch, do you think, at this point? Or uh, do you think the Dolphins, and they've stuck to the to the plan to this point of, of bringing it along at a reasonable pace yeah. and not rushing it? Um, what, what do you think about Tua's prospects here for the not-too-distant future?
3: Again, there's still,
2: regardless, I, I understand he's 100%
3: cleared and, and could plus. Um, but, but you still probably want to be aware of uh, that that he's recovered, just like you were talking about Dylan Moses, that he's recovering from a, a season ending potentially career ending had it gone badly in, in his rehab, his surgery um injury. So I, I don't know that they just want to dump him out there in garbage time. Now, at some point, if say they are eliminated from from the playoffs, and it's too early for that yet, yeah. but um, say they are, say they say after six games they're one in five. Um, at some point, you got to start playing for the future, um, and two is the future. So I, I think we we may be another week or two away from that, and sort of see how they do. Uh, but at some point you've got to make that call because you're paying them
2: a lot of money for one thing. Yeah, and you, you you drafted a couple of rookie offensive linemen, and I think they've liked what they've seen from Austin Jackson, the rookie tackle from SC, Solomon Kinley, the rookie guard from Georgia has played well. So you probably wanted to see how those young linemen sure, you roll, didn't wanna... uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick out there first, I would guess.
3: Yeah, you didn't want to. You didn't want to beat him up, you know. You didn't want to be like when a, when Carr was playing for the Texans and you know get taking fifteen hits a game. Um, that that's not what you wanted. So, uh, yeah, and then you continue to build through this next draft and, and maybe get another piece on that offense because they've got draft choices. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, you know, they do. They, 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 they've got two first rounders, I think, and, and they have two second rounders. So, um, continue to build that and, and you know, have him feeling confident. Have you know is going to be confident, even if they struggle. Even if they put him in there and he struggles, that's not going to shake Tua. But um, you know, the more you build and the more you put around him, uh, the better he's going to be. That's
2: just, that's just common sense. So. Starting to see some leaks of practice footage involving Tua in the last <laughs> week or so.
3: Like old times, and,
2: isn't it? Yeah, Tua looked like Alabama Tua in some of those yeah. uh, some of those clips. Yeah. I thought in,
3: in those in those secret secret videos <laughs> of
2: guys that my buddy got to see practice the other day. Let me tell you, you know, oh, exactly. He has one of the condos across from the practice facility. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there you go. That you have to give a blood oath to that you, you won't watch from the balcony apparently when you buy those. But um <laughs> always great always great stuff with you, Cecil. We always appreciate the time, my man, and uh, look forward to doing it again next week.
3: Okay. I you know, hopefully we'll be in Oxford and, and a game will be played if if it's safe to do on Saturday, then on Saturday and if not, maybe some other time or maybe they do have a mutual open.
2: November seventh could be, huh? Uh,
3: it's possible. It's
2: possible. Yeah. I, I don't if you're know Nick they, Saban, if you're Nick Saban, would you rather have the weekend before Georgia off or the weekend before LSU? Um, that's a good question. That's a good
3: question. Because that, that's, that's what it could—that's what it could come down where, to. You know, for one thing, they hadn't structured this to be an open week. They didn't get the two days right. last week. You know, it'd be a. Surprise! So, so you kind of hate to give that up. Uh, here's a, here's another one. Suppose the league office said, "Hey, why don't you all play on Sunday? It'll blow through. Play on Sunday." And Nick Saban's
2: thinking to himself, "No, I don't. Days. I don't think I would prefer that for with Georgia. Georgia Six days for Georgia? I, I don't know about that one. Even have it even having Georgia here, it'd be even worse if you had to go on the road next weekend. But even with yeah. Georgia here, that's not ideal."
3: Losing a game, losing think. a day of preparation for that one, uh, yeah. he wouldn't. You know, ultimately, the SEC office is going to make the decision based on safety, and you do what you do, but that would not be, I, I think he would rather, this is this is me, I have not spoken to him on this issue, this is just me. Um, I think he, he might prefer to give up the open date in November and have it. Structured where you prepare for LSU with a normal week, um, than to give up Sunday, you know, than to play on Sunday and and mm-hmm. then face then face Georgia on a short week. Yeah, that he wasn't prepared that they that wasn't built in that they hadn't worked for. Um. So, um, you know, if they moved it, then. You don't get on the bus. You don't go to Oxford. You can kind of restructure here, and Kirby's only complaining. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, know, you don't know how that's all. Ah, uh,
2: yeah. But
3: you know, it, it's just they would love, love, love both Alabama and the SEC, and they don't miss, I'm sure, to to have safe conditions but you just can't guarantee that right this minute. And, and that's got to be the first consideration.
2: You would go, in that scenario, if you moved that old Miss game to November 7th, you'd go from Leach to Kiffin that way. Um, and speaking of the the star dimming a little bit, the Pirate, you know, in his home debut, goes down to Arkansas, which, of course, hadn't won a league game since 2017.
3: Yeah, and and there's still, as you know, there's still um, coronavirus out there, and that's you know those open dates are built in for a reason. And but but if you know if, if the hurricane outweighs the coronavirus, then that's the way it is, just like LSU has to play six road games this year, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know that Missouri's the toughest spot on the map.
2: I Lincoln talked about LSU. that earlier, See, So I think LSU if LSU was giving up a home game to Florida, Georgia, or Alabama, might have been a little more hesitation. Oh, yeah. that, that, that
3: Alabama game, that November the 14th, yeah, that'd be a different debate. <laughs> a little different
2: animal, I
3: think. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you got to go to Alabama. Um, you went last year. You got to go this year, and then schedule for 2021 set. So you got to go again. You got three years in a row in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think James Carville would be marching in the street.
2: <laughs> there would be billboards up all over Birmingham. Cecil, <laughs> if that
3: happened, I agree.
2: I agree. But let's, all just, right, have my man. Safe, let's just have a safe Saturday for everybody. For, let's for do everybody it. Involved. Sounds good to me. All right, stay safe, Cecil. Good. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, my man. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. There you go, Cecil. Heard of the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. Going to step aside for a final break, and we come back. More of Southern Fried Sports, which of course is brought to you in part by Houston Hyderstein, 205-553-9460. That's going to put you in touch with the folks that are going to be able to take care of your rugs, your carpets, your tile, your grout, your flooring in general, your window treatments, even your upholstery. Look, you're spending more time than ever at home right now, right? Which tells me, I know at Casa de Ryer, it had to happen, and it did with Houston Hydra Steam. Home of the Houston Rug Revival, two zero five 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 three nine four six zero. Back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this.
0: Combo Hydra. Very warm this afternoon with a sunny sky, the high 88 for tonight. fair with a low at 57. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 86. Friday, mostly cloudy, a chance of showers during the day. Showers more likely Friday night, the high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com for joining us as we talked about no changes yet to Alabama Ole Miss on Saturday evening at 5 p.m. That's the scheduled kickoff there at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi. We'll certainly keep you abreast of any news involving that and everything else with Alabama Ole Miss right here on Tide 109 point 100.9 FM and of course Bama online.com as well you got the Atlanta Braves coming up in just a little over an hour's time first pitch there in Houston game two Braves Marlins in that NLDS series Braves get a win yesterday over the Marlins so uh, you'll have Ian Anderson getting the ball for the Braves coming up in an hour or so. Lunch whistle today brought to you by Southern Ale House out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard north in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. So many great lunch options, so many great dinner options. If you need them to facilitate a wedding, a party, you name it, they can do that as well. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard north. James doing a great job producing the program. Thank you for listening until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.